Louise McSharry on 2FM. Now, though, the first time I heard Eastkey Britain's name it was in connection to surfing, and she is a surfer, but she's also a uh, has a PhD in environment and society. She's an artist, a filmmaker, and a writer, and she is now the author of the book Saltwater in the Blood, Surfing, Natural Cycles, and the Sea's Power to Heal. And, you know, it's interesting that it comes at a time when many of us have connected with the sea, I think, on a very different level thanks to the pandemic, and I think the solace it gave a lot of people, so I'm looking forward to chatting about that. But uh, first, hello, Eski. Hey, good morning, Louise. How are you? I'm great. I actually just had a first book launch here, uh, Books at One in Lewisburg last night. So yeah, the book is officially released into the world. How does it feel? <laughs> oh, it's a lovely buzz and it was great to kind of celebrate it in person, you know, yeah. with friends and family, local community and, and a lot of sort of sea and water lovers as well. So yeah. it was a great celebration. Well, I suppose we better go back to the beginning because you were kind of born into surfing, weren't you? Yeah, and and the you know saltwater in the blood kind of charts that uh, story of how the ocean is shaped and informs so much of my life. Mm. And it began very much from my place of birth in in Donegal and Rasnala, born into a surfing family, um, with you know my dad being amongst the pioneering surfers in the early days, and then my mum surfing from her teenage years. So yeah, and I, I grew up on the beach as well at Rasnala. Really fortunate to have all of that, and and then to have been in the sea. Kind of standing on a surfboard from the age of four. <laughs> wow. I've seen yeah. some amazing videos recently of uh, toddlers skateboarding and that's kind of how I picture you, just like just like finding <laughs> yourself on a surfboard. Um, was it like that? I mean, did you have a choice really? Well, I I definitely think it was never, never forced on me, but it yeah. was it's a huge part of our family and way of life. So yeah. I guess it's a good thing uh, I took to it because so much of our life revolves around it. And, and it's very much influenced. It even goes back to my, you know, grandparents' time. Um, my grandparents set up one of the first surf clubs in Ireland at Rasnala. My grandmother managed to bring back some of the first surfboards like into the country in the 1960s. Wow. Um, she was promoting tourism and, and ran a hotel business. So yeah, it's, it's uh, definitely in the blood. <laughs> That's incredible. Sorry, I hope you don't mind me asking you a little bit more about that. So hmm. so there wasn't really surfing here. So where did she bring them from? Well, she was promoting tourism, uh, Irish tourism with Falcha Ireland in California in the 60s, which I suppose in itself, we think of how, where tourism was at in Ireland back then was already quite a pioneering thing to do. And yeah. as a woman, so she ended up staying in a hotel in Malibu when... Uh, you know, modern surfing was really kicking off there um, and saw surfers on waves similar to the waves she had in front of the hotel in Rasnala and was kind of inspired by that. And um, I'd love to have a conversation with her today to like, you know, figure out how did she even go through the logistics of getting surfboards yeah. sent to Ireland. And, <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not like I presume you didn't just bring them to the like large, what what is it called at the airport? The large, large luggage section of the airport. Yeah, no, there was none of that. <laughs> um, yeah. I love it. That's so cool. Cool. Um, and it's interesting because obviously she was, I mean, if she was doing that in the 60s as an Irish woman, she was obviously pretty impressive and had a, a pretty impressive life going. But I suppose the role of femininity in your own surfing and your experience as a surfer and of course in your life comes through in the book as well. Maybe tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think partly what inspired the book, I mean, having surfed my whole life was just a real, finding a real lack of representations and source material that explains explored and expressed surfing and that kind of connection with the ocean in a much more feminine way rather than 
the more hyper-masculine, adventuring, conquering, monstrous waves kind yeah. of narrative. <laughs> yeah. And also uh, often stories told from a from a male perspective because surfing is still so male-dominated. Mm. And, and I was inspired also by a shift in a lot of female writers writing about their experiences in sea swimming. Yes. So there's a, a lot of female voices there, but it's not the same in surfing. So I, I also wanted to explore that. And I just felt, you know, in cold water in Ireland, it's, it's just a, a very different experience that I hadn't really read or, or heard or seen portrayed anywhere else. And how how did you find being, you know, I suppose you're one of Ireland's most well-known surfers and being a woman in a kind of male-dominated sport, you know, what was that experience like? I think for me, I was, I mean, largely sheltered from it um, in the early days because it was such a, you know, family thing yeah. and a lot of my cousins do it. And then I had had the mentorship um, that maybe isn't available to a lot of maybe girls and women who want to get started uh, because I was able to follow my dad into the water yeah. uh, and then and connect with my mum's real passion for it as well. And it wasn't until I started to travel competitively competing internationally that I guess my eyes were sort of opened to the wider surf culture and just the challenge challenges even the discrimination of trying to get sponsorship and the difference in prize money and things like that when putting the same effort into competing on the same tour mm. um, and competitions as my male counterparts and it were just like worlds apart in terms of access to support and finance so there was that part yeah. um, and then it plays out in the water too it's just in I suppose that intimidation of um, kind of carrying the baggage of that gender identity and knowing you're kind of being judged as maybe less Less. able until you can prove yourself in a lineup of surfers and and the way surfing works it can be quite competitive so Mm. we're you know waves are not always there and you can yours yeah it's it's different to just popping in the sea for a swim yeah um so it is this kind of proving ground as well and if you don't have that sisterhood or support it it can feel isolating yeah um but it and it is shifting i'm definitely in, in the time i've been surfing i've seen huge change yeah that's good it's interesting you mentioned there that the waves aren't always there so i mean that is in itself makes it very different and I presume in a way that probably changes your relationship to the sea as well because you probably have to get to know it a bit do you to know you know where the surf I obviously do not speak this language so if I'm sounding stupid (laughs) you just laugh at me but to know kind of where and when the surf is and and how to kind of navigate the waves. Yeah that's a huge part of it that also maybe isn't isn't as well known it's you spend yeah. so much time yeah learning to like as I kind of write about it like reading the language of the sea in yeah. a in a very different way um and yeah you're and it's it's a timing thing too and so much of it is patience you're kind of waiting for waves to come or you're tracking waves or chasing waves so you can imagine how like my schedule is <laughs> um I've had to design my life so it can be as fluid as possible because it's kind of designed around the unpredictability of the ocean and timing when waves are going to come across the Atlantic and and things like that, which is kind of mad. But I I grew up with with a lot of that um, way of kind of organizing our life, which is which has been amazing. And it sort of saved me from uh, a kind of nine to five, very linear mentality. Mm. Uh, It's been a challenge at times, definitely. I can imagine. And of course, it makes sense that you have that connection because your your academic work as a marine social scientist with the Near Health Project at NUI Galway focuses on the healing quality of water in the sea. And I know you have worked so much in your life to kind of bring the sea to people who wouldn't necessarily have a relationship with it. Um, Maybe you can talk a little bit about that because I know there's a lot about that in the book as well. The kind of actual healing... uh, impact of the sea yeah I've been really fortunate I I kind of 
was able to come home in the, the last sort of five or six years or so uh, to NUI Galway initially to do that work, looking at the link between the health of the environment and human health. Um, and then more recently, I work on a project called Inclusi. So it's focused on ocean and surf therapy and evidencing those therapeutic and restorative benefits of being in the water. Um, and in it, in the case of inclusive, it's for you know, people with various physical disabilities or sensory impairment. And but yeah, I kind of dedicated the last um, well, <laughs> the last five ten years, but probably most of my life, to understanding that relationship of why water and its healing power um, and how it makes us feel the way it does, and why now there's also such a pull towards those experiences during something like a pandemic yeah. because it is really healing. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I thought it was amazing to see so many people get in the sea, literally, <laughs> uh, during the pandemic. And I suppose <sighs> it makes sense. We're on a small island. We really didn't have that many options. But, you know, yeah. I personally, I, I love to be in the sea. I never feel more free um, of, of any stress or any, you know, you just can't think about it, I feel like, when you're, when you're in the water, particularly when it's cold. And I know that's something that you talk about. The, the cold mm-hmm. has an impact, uh, a, a big, is a big factor in it as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, lucky us in Ireland, who would have thought? <laughs> the cold, cold water in particular. I mean, the evidence coming out in terms of the science uh, catching up with what we probably intuitively have known and felt for quite a long time and throughout millennia, you know, this concept of water as, as sacred and healing is certainly nothing new. But now we're having the science kind of in terms of like even the psychology and the neuroscience of the effect it has even on our brain and regulating our, our hormones, in particular stress hormones. It's just incredible what happens when we immerse ourselves in water mm-hmm. um, for like literally calming, calming and soothing our frayed nervous systems. And then cold water, especially if you kind of, you know, you want to build up to it gradually and don't mm-hmm. shock the system. Yeah. But um, as you say, allude to it, it is this kind of presencing that happens. It really pulls us into the present moment yeah. because we're able to sort of be occupy our whole body and not be stuck in our heads. Yeah. Um, and water does that in a particular way because it's so multisensory and yeah. it stimulates the whole body. Um, and then it really helps us be present in an effortless way, mm. uh, which is, is, you know, so important right now. And what would you say, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about the people listening who maybe have been in the sea over the summer and they're thinking, oh, I'm going to wrap up my, my swimming for the year now as it gets colder. I know that's not something that you do. And there are lots of people around the country who swim all year round. If someone wants to be a bit brave and try and push themselves a little bit, how would you uh, recommend navigating that? I find, I think actually the the, the greatest thing you can do is is find a buddy um because it's a you know just that little bit extra motivation makes the world of difference because it really is mind over matter at times you know when the weather's not great or the sea's cold but always every if you commit to it you'll always feel better like Mm. a million times better when you get out (laughs) yeah Uh, but it's just kind of that initial like it's so easy just to find an excuse not to do it so yeah if you can find a buddy and invite them in and then you're sharing that experience as well so a lot of the evidence supports just how you know socially connective water can be yeah uh, because we kind of drop a lot of our we drop our guard a bit more and and become more open and even things like communication and social skills are really enhanced we found in the various um initiatives and projects and activities we've been looking at from the kind of blue health point of view mm. so yeah and, and maybe even better like create your own little sort of swimming pod <laughs> it means mm. a great way right now to be able to get together socially too mm. and then there's other things there's there's you know much better access to um i suppose the important thing would be to 
to keep warm so yeah. to stay you know to get warm afterwards prepare for that and then also to learn to read the ocean and all its different moods and it does change a lot throughout the seasons yeah. so yeah just really get to know your your local water and spend time so don't don't rush it it's like yeah. any good relationship <laughs> <laughs> um and and uh, what about surfing you know if someone's listening and they've gotten into the sea but they've never surfed i mean i i i've had one surfing lesson and uh, I wouldn't say I surfed. I think I just kind of was bashed around for a while. Um, <laughs> but I had a great time. But, you know, how would you recommend someone take the first step of even trying it out? Yeah, there, just surfing has gone through a huge explosion. I think so much so in, like in Ireland in this last year or two that it's difficult to get wetsuits right, right. now. <laughs> there's like a shortage. But I think the, there's loads of opportunities to join. I mean, it's it's a, I mean the thing is with surfing it's definitely and I've worked as a coach for a long time as well one of the most challenging things to to learn or yeah. teach in that early stage compared to most other sports because you're in this really unpredictable environment that we cannot control mm. but then that's also part of the buzz and mm. the appeal and so I just would say approach it with a really playful mindset like, and let go of any expectations yeah. <laughs> and just really enjoy the feeling of being in waves because it's such a different experience yeah um, and there's there's loads of like surf schools you can check out in the Irish Surfing Association website also have surf clubs that you can join Um, might be another route too Um, but definitely worth getting you know a lesson under your belt just to to kind of figure out the I suppose to learn a bit more also about the power of the ocean yeah I think I need like a lesson or maybe 15 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I really yeah. did enjoy that one that I had um, look we, there's so much more in the book that we didn't get a chance to talk about but I, I really appreciate you coming on to have a chat with me that's Dr Eastkey Britton author of Saltwater in the Blood Surfing Natural Cycles and the Sea's Power to Heal and that is out now Eastkey best of luck with it oh thanks so much Louise thanks a million have a great day you too Louise McSherry on 2FM